0: Welcome to the Topeka First Podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. But well, let me pull up my sermon real fast. We're going to kick off our question series this week, and we're really excited about it. You guys gave us some great questions. The Boulevard gave us some great questions. And we've compiled them into like a five-week series, okay? So we may not get to all of your questions because, uh, well, there's a lot because there were like 300 of you that could have submitted questions. Not all of you did, obviously, but there were quite a few in there. So we may not get to all of them, but we're going to try to at least touch on most of them, even if it's just briefly, okay? But the first one we're kicking off um, we're, we're talking about worship, because somebody asked, what is worship? And is worship just in a building? Is it just, um, is it just a few songs, or is it more than that? And we're going to kick off our series talking about worship, one, because uh, I've already done a lot of research on this, and some of your other questions were like, can you talk about free will? And well, what about heaven and hell? And so we wanted to do a little bit more research on those before we got back to you. Okay, I thought that was fair. So we're starting with um, an easy one, per se. Um, But this week, we're going to talk about worship. And I'm really, really excited about it. One, because I love worship. It's one of the things I just really adore in the world. It's just one of those things that is just, it's a breath of fresh air always. Like, worship is just that for me. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I'm filled up again. I'm energized again. Even if like you're dead tired afterwards, you're like, I'm energized for the day. I'm energized for the week. I'm energized for life through worship. And, and so we're going we're gonna to sing later. And I want, we wanted to talk about worship and then, and then worship some. And I, I felt like that's kind of the way it really almost has to be. Like if, if, if you talk about worship and then you're like, all right, see you guys next week. It feels a little weird not to like sing after that. But this week, uh, we're kicking off our series on worship, so I'm, I'm very, very, very excited. And the question is, is, what is worship? Is it more than just singing a few songs on Sunday? And the short answer is yes, it is more than that. So uh, let's move on. Well, it may be a little bit longer than that. It may be a little bit longer than just saying, yes, it's a little bit more than just singing a couple songs on a Sunday. Now, in the Old Testament, there's, there's, uh, well, well, I wanted to find, I wanted to find the term first. I wanted to find the term first. So in English, it basically means this. Worship means this. The feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Um, but as many of you probably know, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. How many of you knew that? Those of you who didn't raise your hand. Um, it's not. It was Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic, okay? It wasn't originally written German, but it was later translated to that uh, later, in, 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 um, later in the world, Gutenberg Press, that sort of thing. Um, however, so there's these, all these different words that in Hebrew that what, it, what we then translate to some form of worship or praise or something of that nature is actually in the Old Testament. So there's a bunch of these, and I'm gonna say them confidently, but don't confidently repeat them on to somebody because they may not be pronounced right. So just be, just be aware of that, okay? Uh, the first one, Hawa, which is found 173 times in the Bible. Then there's a word, Yadar. Which is found 317 times in the Bible. There's Abad, which is found 290 times in the Bible. Then there's like words that are associated with like the word praise. Those were all associated with like worship. This is associated with the word praise. And there's like Barak, which is found 327 times. There's Halal, which is found 146 times in the Bible. And then there's a word Yada, which is found 111 times in the Bible. And guess what? that's just the old testament words those are just the old testament terms for for worship and praise those are and those are just some of them that's not all of them that's just some of them so when we say worship there's more to it than what we think of as worship there's all these wonderful words and you can spend all week studying them and get back with me this is a question series it's going to be a little more academic there is homework so that's just part of it all right uh, but, but this, this is, this is the thing. Our definition of worship is not quite full enough. It's not quite like all the way there. A few weeks ago, we were talking, um, we were talking before service, Jose was talking to us, and we were talking about how, like, the word love in the Bible isn't, like, in English doesn't fully explain everything, because, like, English, like, brings everything to concise. It's like lowest common denominator is, like, brought together in the English language. And Jose was telling us in Spanish there's, there's different ways to say you love something. And, like, how we say I love hamburgers and I love my wife, like, there's different ways of saying that. Well, the Bible is the same way when it comes to praise and worship. There's a bunch of different ways to say it. Now, I want to boil down what is worship to a, like, simple definition that we can take away today now again i just spent that whole time saying that it's not easily defined and now i'm going to define it in a sentence so just know this is not complete it's just what we're going to work off of today worship is seeing who jesus is and expressing it in word deed and song it is ex- it's understanding who jesus is and expressing that out In different ways, so word, deed, song, however it is that we can affirm who Jesus is by our actions, by our speech, by who we are. Now, the question really did ask, like, what what is worship? But then it went into, like, I can worship God in the mountains or in nature, in beauty, and seeing all these things and, and worshiping God. And the Bible reiterates this. It says in, in Psalm 19, 1 through 3, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of the Lord. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. So yes. Worship is
1: definitely more than just music. It's everything we are. We must live a life of worship. A whole life. It's not
0: a few moments where we get to sing a few songs. It's saying, God, I've read your word. I know what you're saying, and I'm doing what you've said. I'm singing your praise because you're good, and because I know it, because I've experienced it. It's more than just this, this moment for like a half an hour on a Sunday morning, it's living a life that is in line with Jesus. Constantly talking about the great King that He is. Now, there is one concern when we come to the idea of like worshiping God in nature. And here's, here's the one thing we must be very, very careful that we are not worshiping beauty. We are worshiping the creator of beauty. That that the mountains themselves declare the glory of God. They do not declare the glory of the mountain. The, The beautiful nature in the world is all a reflection of the beauty of the creator. The creator is what all of this comes from. So therefore, it pales in comparison to that which created it. The creator is more beautiful than the creation. The creation just points back to the creator. That's the most important thing. We have to understand, even in worship, even in worship music, we must understand that we are not worshiping a song. We are worshiping the point of the song. We are worshiping the the creator that we're singing about. We had this funny discussion yesterday. We were working on uh, the, the day's house, the day's basement. We, we, like, knocked out a wall, and we, and we put up, an, well, Mike put up another wall. Ed did some electrical work. Uh, Daniel and I removed nails. We, we, did, we did all sorts of things. Uh, some of us have greater skills. Some of us have lesser skills. The Bible talks about talents. We all use them faithfully, Daniel. Just know that. But there was this funny discussion, and, uh, so we were playing some, some music, and this song came on, and I'm not gonna say the song because I don't want anybody to get bent out of shape about the song, okay? We were talking about this song, and Jeff goes, yeah, that song never really did it for me. And Ed then goes, you know what happens every time I'm at church and this, I don't like, I'm not into the song? I remind myself that it's not about the song, it's about Jesus. And that was the point that Jeff was saying too. Like, the the. the the song doesn't matter, our king matters. The song doesn't matter, the king matters. The, the mountain is not praised, the king is praised. And that was it, was, it was this beautiful moment when you guys were talking about that. Like, I was just smiling inside. I was like, man, this is gonna work perfectly tomorrow, you know? <laughs> but I was just smiling inside because it is, that is the point. Like, who cares about the music? It's all about Jesus, Who cares about the mountains? I know you guys care
1: about the mountains, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about the king. So here's the deal. I want to read
0: what Cam read to you. I asked him to read it during worship this morning, but I want to read it to you one more time. And it's in Luke 19, and this is Jesus's triumphal entry. This is what we call it in the Bible, his triumphal entry. And it's basically his enter to Jerusalem as he's going to die. It's not it's not literally the walk with the cross to Golgotha, it's his entering into the city that leads speeds everything up to his death, okay? So it's like a week before he dies and this is what happens. He asks his followers to pick up uh, go and get a donkey's colt so that he can ride it into the city and it says this, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his fathers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Could you imagine this moment? Could you imagine it? This is is an awesome moment. This triumphal entry is, a triumphal entry isn't uh, unique to Jesus, But how Jesus did it is unique. Now triumphal entry would be like a conquering king returning from war and he would ride in on his horse and he'd have his army at his back, the victor of battle. And he would walk in and the
1: the whole town would see this triumphal entry in his glory on his beautiful horse. But Jesus goes... Let me have a
0: donkey that's not even fully grown. I'm going to ride it in. And all these people that are clearly not an army, it's it's more of a band of misfits. Like, do you remember the kind of people that hung out with Jesus? We see it in Mark's gospel. He says, um, when he goes and he hangs out at Levi's house, and they're like talking about all this stuff, he's like, yeah, there were many like this among him like tax collectors, prostitutes, and other disreputable sinners. This is his band of merry men. This is who it is. And I shouldn't have said merry men there, because there were a lot of women that traveled with him as well. But here's the deal. These people would have been like Levi, the tax collector. It would have been like Mary Magdalene, who was formerly demon-possessed. There would have been all these crazy people that would have been
1: following him in, shouting and singing his praises. But he doesn't come like a conquering king. He comes in a much more humble manner than that. And I can't help the irony, like
0: all the misfits are singing the praise of God and then the religious leaders are like, hey, can you shut them up, please? Like, I know we read the Bible and we figured out that the the Pharisees are the villains, right? But, like, have you ever read the Bible and gone, the Pharisees are who, if we brought it forward to the modern world, would probably be the people sitting in our place because we understand the Scriptures. We've been educated in them. And we go, would I be that person? Hopefully not. Hopefully we wouldn't. Hopefully we'd recognize Jesus. So hopefully we'd recognize our Jesus. And we
1: would shout and sing his praises and we wouldn't tell people to be quiet. But the religious establishment did not like it. They didn't. When we become people who think of ourselves as like the righteous elite, we've become Pharisees. We've become Pharisees. When we
0: understand that we are sinners saved by the grace of God, and that makes us do nothing but shout and sing his praises, then we're his disciples. We don't wanna be religious elite, we wanna be disciples. We don't wanna be people that are like, I have all the answers, I'm gonna look down on you if you you don't do everything right. We want to be people who say, I'm a sinner who is saved by grace. I know I've sinned. I know you've sinned. We both are, are receiving the grace of God. Let's, let's do
1: this thing, and let's sing about the person that gives grace. It's shocking to me that he says, if they kept quiet
0: the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Burst into cheers. Now, in the scriptures, we see multiple times where the earth groans at injustice. Like there's a moment in Genesis where Cain kills Abel, and it says that Cain's blood cried out from the earth against him, or Abel's blood, because Abel died, sorry abel died cain, cain did not murder himself cain murdered abel but there's these moments where it's like creation groans against injustice groans against what is what is wrong and here it is here it is the stones along the road would chant would shout would sing the
1: praises of our king if we kept silent and I've been debating whether I'm going to say this all night, right? All night
0: long, all night long. But I'm preparing for this sermon, and I get to that line, and it says, if they didn't cry out, then the rocks would cry out. And I'm sure you guys have seen this, but Kanye West dropped a worship album on Friday. Now, for those of you who do not know who Kanye West is, I looked at his entire song catalog minus this one album and every song on Spotify is listed as explicit. Literally every single one. And then he drops a worship album. And I was so confused.
1: And then I read that line. And it was a little convicting to me. That if I don't sing out, the rocks will cry out. That the praise of our king will come from a place that we thought could not and would not sing his praises. I'm a pastor. And I had to look at myself and go, am I doing everything I can
0: to worship the king? Am I doing everything, giving every bit of who I am to sing his praises?
1: Is every part of my life dedicated to this? Because a person who once said, I am God, is now releasing an album that says, Jesus is King. I was convicted. I don't know about you guys. But on the week
0: that I knew I was going to talk about if they kept quiet the rocks themselves would cheer. You could make a strong argument that that Kanye was the rock. That a place that you never, ever, 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 ever thought would sing the praises of our King is is singing the praises of our King. What am I doing? What are you doing? Is every bit of your life this expression of worship to the King? Because yes, it is far more than a couple songs on Sunday or a couple
1: songs on an album. It is so much more. It is who we are. It is who we are. And because
0: Darren likes to trash soccer while I'm not preaching, I figured it deserved a soccer reference. I was watching the Premier League a couple weeks ago, and um, Sheffield United was playing my favorite team, Arsenal. My favorite Premier League team. And I was watching this game, and pre-game, they're in Sheffield United Stadium, And there's 32,000 fans. And before the game, you see every single person there watching the game. In soccer, they do this thing where they sing songs together to cheer on the fans or cheer on the team. They sing these, like, songs, these chants over and over and over and over again throughout the game. And pregame, they always have, like, each team has their own, like, thing that's unique to them a lot of times. Like certain teams sing you'll never walk alone or like the, certain things will see "Wonderwall" or whatever it is and sheffield united is standing there every member of their their fan section is standing like this at the top of their lungs shouting along to the song shouting along to the song they're standing there with arms spread wide shouting to this music that is only being created by their voices. There are no instruments. It is literally a 30,000-person a community singing these songs to cheer on their players. And they zoom in on a couple of fans. One fan has his son on top of his shoulders. The son, arms spread wide, singing as loud
1: as he can. 30,000 people singing together. And it's about a game. Again, what does it say about us? What does it say about us? Are we willing to scream and shout at the
0: top of our lungs for our king? Are we willing to live lives that are so dramatically in line with the scriptures that they're shouting the praises of our king to the world around us? Are we willing to be that kind of person, that kind of follower of Jesus that says, everything that I am will praise the Lord, that my work, my worship, my my free time, my hobbies, my my life, my going and my coming, my, my free time will scream the praises of our king. Is that who we are? Because when every person that walks into that stadium walks in, they know what they're going to do that day. Whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday, they know what they're going to do. They're going to
1: walk in and they're going to sing at the top of their lungs to support a team who is playing a child's game. We walk in every Sunday. Do
0: we walk in knowing that we are going to sing the praises of the creator of the universe who came into flesh and blood in this world, in, 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 in actual reality, and came and died for us?
1: Are we going to sing the praises of our king who was willing to sacrifice himself for us? The question that was asked is we can praise God anywhere, right? And that is true. But this is probably the easiest place in the world to praise God. Everyone is doing it. And do we do it? That's the question. Not so much what is worship. It's Will you worship? So the band's going to come up and we're going to sing three more songs. And the question is, will you worship? Or will the rocks cry out in your place? Worship is one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's got me through so many
0: crazy moments that sometimes singing the praises of the king are the only thing that even makes sense in the world. It's a moment where everything is about the creator and not about me. Everything is about who he is and not about me. Not about my situation, not about my circumstance, about who he is. And he is faithful and he is good and he always provides
1: and he always looks out for us. And the heavens themselves declare the glory of our God. Will we who have mouths to speak declare the glory of our God?